Folks, this week's podcast is brought to you by the perfect sponsor, the Let'sRun.com shoe site. Go to Let'sRun.com slash shoes. You can find the best prices. You can find the best reviews. It's like the Yelp of shoes with a link to where to buy them. With a coronavirus, you don't have to feel bad about not supporting your local shop. Your life depends on it. Buy your shoes this week at the Let'sRun.com slash shoes site. And also a heads up. We've dropped two bonus podcasts, one with the 2020 U.S. Olympic Trials women's winner, Alephine Tulemak, and one with her coach, Ben Rosario. So check them out in your feed. They're both up now. New York City Half Marathon, canceled. Rome Marathon, canceled. Paris Marathon, postponed. Barcelona Marathon, canceled. Vienna Marathon, canceled. The world is freaking out, folks. But there is some good news. The Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast is not canceled. Nor are the this weekend's NCAA Indoor Championships. And Boston and London are still on, at least for now. So welcome to another edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast, folks. Do not fear. We have no fear of the coronavirus. Jonathan Galt, my co-host, my tri-host, We'll be hopping on a plane tomorrow to head to NCAAs. We're going to break down the NCAA championships, but we have a lot more to talk about. Besides NCAAs and coronavirus, we're going to talk about the Japanese marathon team selection team coming to a wild close. Jurian Lawson is clear to compete. And a great immigrant story of new U.S. citizen Riyadon Harofi winning his first U.S. title on the track. All of that and more on this week's edition. I'm Lechon.com co-founder Robert Johnson. If you want to join us, pick up the phone. 844-538-7786. That's 844-LET'S-RUN. If you're new to the program, each week, three Let's Run.com staff members discuss last week's action in track and field and get you ready for this weekend's action as well. Well, Robert, I have a, I'm wondering, am I going to get hazard pay for this trip to Albuquerque? Possibly exposure myself at a mass gathering of student-athletes, airports I'm going to have to go through. I'm flying through Chicago as well. So... You know, do I get some sort of bonus for risking exposure here? John, absolutely not. And if you get forced to go into containment, John, I don't know if we have the resources to like pay for your two weeks in Albuquerque. So just be careful who you touch and talk to. Okay, I will not touch the athletes on the face like I had planned to. So that's good to know. Full disclaimer, folks, the three of us do all have Ivy League degrees. But despite our Ivy League degrees, we're not fearful of the coronavirus. Ivy League basketball tournament has been canceled. Don't get me started. I'm not saying the coronavirus isn't a real thing, but this overreaction is driving me nuts. And the cancellation of this Ivy League basketball tournament has made me so angry. I don't know what to do. I, I rant and rave. My wife wouldn't even talk to me because that's all I want to talk about last night. So I'm happy the NCAA indoors are going on. I'm very am worried that the Boston is going to be canceled. But canceling an Ivy League basketball tournament? Just hold the tournament with no fans. It's not a hard deal. It shows you that these administrators do not care about the student-athletes. It's always what I thought deep down at Cornell. They really don't understand how important the sporting experience is to these athletes. So it's crazy. The Harvard athletes, they've got a number of athletes going to NCAA indoors this this weekend, or or at least a couple, including great distance runner Karen Tuntovit. They're probably going to have to go there with no coach because Harvard has banned all travel from staff. But the athletes already have their ticket from the NCAAs, just going to fly out there on their own. And since they're not coming back, Harvard's canceled all classes after spring break. They're not technically violating these rules. But folks, if you're young, the parents, if you have a school-age child, 
There's no reason to panic. There's been zero worldwide deaths, zero, of anyone under the age of 10. Zero is very small, John. Zero. All right, all right. I'm just going to hop in here. If you guys, listeners back home, are relying on Robert Johnson for your expert coronavirus information, please just take that with like a massive boulder of salt. Robert's great going off on these topics, and I love listening to your rants, but if you actually want like the facts, listen to the experts. If you want Robert's reactionary hot takes, I you know, which I think if you listen to this podcast, you very much do, then please go ahead. With that disclaimer out of the way, one other thing, Robert, please say the word coronavirus. I think we're in another mispronunciation problem here. How do you pronounce this word? Coronavirus. That is not what you said the first two times. But John... My, my fellow podcast producer, Clay Travis of Fox Sports, as he says, if you want to sound intellectual, and since we're Ivy Leaguers, we should, if you really want to small smart, you, you, you call it COVID-19. COVID-19. Novel coronavirus. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Weldon, have you spoken at all? Are you, are you alive? Do you have the coronavirus or are you okay? Hello, everyone. Yes, um, I did not have COVID-19. I picked up the flu in Atlanta last week. But fortunately, I was tested and I came back for flu A. And now I'm an expert on all these things. Actually, guys, I have an update with my mother-in-law. She is from New New Rochelle. That is where the one-mile containment zone is. And the National Guard has been deployed. Governor Cuomo has this under control. Oh my god, this sounds like a movie plot. The National Guard, really? (laughs) Yes, she's fine. My wife had a baby shower this weekend. I'm actually really glad, actually, I just had the flu the week before because the corona test didn't really exist and they tested me for flu and be like oh it'd be stupid to test for corona but i can just imagine going to a doctor this week especially with all the coronas around here because i mean westchester county new rochelle those are probably like 15 or 20 miles from my house it's just sort of interesting to see from afar and this whole ivy league thing is kind of nuts because like i've also heard like canceling mass events maybe some of that stuff should be actually be done a week or two from now not now it's really interesting how people view this thing but like they cancel the basketball tournament yet they let the lacrosse team still go play each other like it's just no consistency it's illogical meanwhile the new balance nationals are going on this weekend some people want to seem smarter than others i feel like but obviously we should be concerned about corona but if you view it as like a third flu of the season that's maybe worse than the average flu I think the panic would be very differently. I mean, I don't know. Can we have over-unders? Which kills more this year, corona or the flu? I mean, that's not really something that's fun or appropriate to speculate about. Is that inappropriate? But you just see these numbers like Angela Merkel now saying 70% of Germans will get get it. And I've heard these numbers all off. But hey, it's in most of the countries that seems to have scaled down after a few weeks, China, others so hopefully that's the case here but i don't think we definitely haven't hit anything close to the peak it's really good i think it sounds like it increases about a factor of 10 in reported cases every week or so so we'll see where that goes tuesday seemed to me to be like the peak of mass hysteria so far with all the boston area colleges telling their students to go home after spring break but let's tie this into running a little bit guys we are nominally a running podcast I think the biggest question people have is, is the Boston Marathon going to go forward? Is the London Marathon going to go forward? Well, we're not really doing anything other than wildly speculating at this point, but Boston and London are both coming up towards the end of April. I feel the way the wind's blowing, I kind of feel like they're not going to happen, but what do you guys say? John, I hate to say I have to agree with you, but I, I do. 
And I've already bought your ticket to London. Anyways, you know, I, I, I'm ranting about the Ivy basketball tournament. That's different. You can have 10 people, 20 people in the gym who are already self-contained drive up on a bus and compete in front of no spectators. Um, you know, there's a thread on the message board, no better way to spread coronavirus than the Boston Marathon. And the, the, the first post, when I read that, I was like, okay, what is this person talking about? I was like, wow. I'll just read from it. Think about it. The whole process presents a multitude of ways to spread this thing. You start with this by taking the subway to the commons, where everyone then crams onto school buses. Then they pack in like sardines under their tents at the village, stand shoulder to shower in the corral, sweat, spit, and snot everywhere while running the race. Thousands of volunteers interacting with pacers pre, during, and post-race. Fans all on the coast, portageons by the thousands. No way health officials are going to green light the Boston Marathon. The only delay in making an announcement is figuring out whether to reschedule or cancel and future options for people who are currently entered. I read that and I said, God damn it. I hate to say it, but that person's right. The only hope to me would be that they have the elite race only and like they did in Tokyo. You know, but this will be a, a key test for both Boston and London in the sense of the Tokyo, the Japanese they treat the marathon like a professional sport, like an elite level sport. It's a revered sport there. It's not an elite level sport, Robert. Are you telling me otherwise? I know. I'm saying here, I've always been fearful that it's going to turn into just a fun run, a charity fundraiser. The elites are not celebrated in, in the way that they have, that they should be. All elites are, are presented as the same. Boston is now, you know, they have the able-bodied elites, the wheelchair elites, the, the push-rim elites, the Paralympic elites. They're, they're getting more and more elites, but it, it's watering it down. The, ma- the the professional runners are spectacular athletes. They should run. I don't know about the mass race, though. Definitely not, I would say. Uh, one other thing is the, the thing about these races is you're bringing in people from all over the world. So you could be bringing in the virus from somewhere else where it doesn't exist, and then they go back to places they don't exist. So, you know, as someone did post on here, get back to me when a single NBA, MLB, or MLS game is canceled. So those are kind of self-contained geographic things, though, for the most part. I mean, I guess spring training's not, but I don't know. Premier League game was canceled on Wednesday, or postponed at least, Man City versus Arsenal. So just saying. A lot of European games are being played behind closed doors, European soccer. Right, but it's sort of interesting that hasn't happened here yet, <clears throat> and maybe it will, and I kind of think it might in the next couple of weeks. But in terms of the marathons, the writing's on the wall. I think more for sure the betting odds are more likely than not that both these events are canceled or postponed, or maybe hopefully only an elite-only race. If they could do it in Tokyo, why can't they do it in London? Why can't they do it in Boston? Speaking of betting odds, my good friend, sub-four-minute miler, Scott Anderson, College roommate at Princeton has sent us a well done I tweet, John. Guess what the betting odds are over or under 50% that the 2020 Olympics are canceled? I I would still think it's it's under. But that's not really that's kind you're kind of combining odds there. Like usually you don't say over under with a percentage thing, but I would guess it what exactly is he asking? Odds of the Tokyo games are canceled, postponed, or relocated. Do you think that they currently, the, 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 if you bet like one dollar, do you get back more than one dollar, which would imply that the odds are below fifty percent, or do you get less than one dollar, which would imply that they're? I think you get back more than a dollar. I would think the odds should be less than fifty percent. And you would be wrong. It's minus one thirty right now. So 
Well, actually, there, it's minus on both sides. So it's, it's pretty close to 50%, but it's a little bit less than 50%, which is scary to me. I just think that people wouldn't cover your ass mode. You know, I mean, th- this is what you're seeing in the Ivy League right now in this basketball tournament, which is just so stupid. So you can't have a tournament with these people who are already, again, self-contained units of 15 people traveling in a bus to compete in the stadium in front of no people. But you can send them to a massive arena in, in, in a week to, com- to compete in the NCAA tournament. It's just stupid. They're not. A lot of these people aren't really concerned about the virus. They're concerned about covering their own ass. Well, the cynical part of me, though, is the debate is between the money that they would make from all these tournaments stuff and stuff. You know, the Olympics, obviously, a huge money maker. So is March Madness versus the money they might get sued for by fans or players or coaches who or officials who end up getting infected. You know, I mean, I hate to make it all cynical, but I feel like that the people at the very top, that's usually what they think about. And I think the betting odds of the Olympics are technically whether the opening ceremonies are held on July 24th in the stadium. So the betting, and that is greater than 50% that they are not. I think that could easily shift here in a couple of weeks. But it's sort of interesting, right? Because in China now, this is they're operating under the assumption they have this under control. It's on the way down. Things are, Life is returning to normal. So... If we say we're a month or two behind them, that would mean, you know, end of April, we're, we're, we're back to normal. But I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen a coronavirus. We haven't seen a mass pandemic, especially in the age of social media and all this other stuff. Not that people shouldn't be alarmed, but just there's just a whole level, another level of hysteria you can see now because anyone can tweet an opinion the most extreme views on anything can be out there, you know, both for and against Corona. For and against, you know, some people are for Corona, obviously. I can't remember what part I ran it on about on this podcast, what I ran it with my wife, what I ran it up before we started recording. But, you know, one other thing about these schools is I did, I did think about this. If a college kid gets this, it's, it's really no different than the flu. The death rates for a young person are, are almost the same as the flu. And again, if you're under the age of 10, the death rate is zero. But the death rate for people over 70 is quite high. And guess who runs a lot of these colleges and teaches a lot of these colleges? People over 70. So I do think the kids going home for spring break or going to Cancun or whatever on spring break, picking it up and then coming back and killing the professors is decent. Um, so I, I, I see that fear, but let's put this in perspective, people. Worldwide deaths from coronavirus, I think it's around 4,381 right now, around. That's what John told me right before we started this podcast. I didn't tell him that number. I, that's not He's not getting it from me. I Googled it then. But around 4,000, John, I think. Take, take you know, um, I think we're below 50 deaths in the United States. Every day in the United States, 100 people die in a, over 100 people die in a car accident. Every year, twenty to 30,000 people die of, of the flu. I'm not saying that this is like the flu and we don't want to stop it because this is additive to the flu. Yes, we want to stop it. Yes, if you get it in a big area like Italy or, or China, you do everything you can to stop it. But I don't know. It's just some of this stuff is, is crazy. Like, Okay, I think – can we cut it on the coronavirus talk? I'm tired of listening to it on all the other podcasts I listen to. I'm tired of talking about it. Can we move on to some actual running action? John, it's sad, sad. You don't want to talk about the event that's going on. But these threads in Let's Run are sort of fascinating. And I guess some people could say, oh, we're downplaying it a bit. But like, you know, the number one thread right now in Let's Run, no better way to spread the coronavirus than the Boston Marathon. And I think probably a lot of people agree with that sentiment. 
But prior to that thread, a very popular thread was the Boston Marathon cannot, with emphasis on cannot, be canceled because it's higher priority than other events. And then in that thread, people are like, clearly they're running Boston. They're clearly signed up. They're clearly invested. And they're like, just, it can't be canceled. And I applaud. I want the authorities to wait as late as possible. At this point, like, people traveling could probably decide with two weeks' notice. Why hold off? Boston's always been very resilient, strong. So if there's some way to hold some sort of race, I think they should try to do it. Um, even if it's in a much limited race with, you know, 100 people or something. Spectators becomes an issue, but hey. Boston's over a month away. So by then, in the next two weeks or three weeks, we're going to have a real big indication of what happens with this corona and where it goes. I don't see why you need to cancel something a month out. Right. Well, one thing I wanted to say before we leave this topic behind, Robert, you talked about these rants that you give to your wife. Does your Is your wife a fan of the rants, like most of the Let's Run uh, podcast oh. listenership, or does she get mad by them? Not at all. She doesn't listen to them. Basically... This is why I had to get an office outside the house because she realized I didn't talk to a human being all day. And I would come in and have all these things I want to talk to a human about. And I would just blast her. And she's tired from work and trying to recover and play with her son. So she generally is like, stop, stop, stop. Wait till he goes to sleep and then we can talk. But by then she's tired too. And so she doesn't have to listen to it. Well, she's a lawyer. So she probably listens to arguments all day anyway. And she doesn't want to hear more when she gets back. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. Sorry there's too many rants. But I've had a fantastic week. We'll move on. But John, I oh the I, Rojo patting himself on the back section, taking oh, you know is, new drinking no, game for Let's Run, take your drinks. I'm bouncing high, folks. Just got back from my annual physical. Blood pressure has gone down, no concerns. She said I'm in great fitness for my age. Thank you. Wow, well, you went to the doctor today. Interesting. I wouldn't wouldn't want to be in a doctor's office. Now, now I know why uh, you were going to those fitness classes in the morning. You wanted to pass your physical. Yep, I wrote a Vaporfly article, folks, last week. I think it got like. Picked up by Google or something. Something like, well, can I reveal? Like almost six figures. I don't want to give out too many details, folks. It'll be 100,000 views. That's actually like real money. Like I, I write, John writes an article. He's all proud of himself. I'm like, good, John. You brought in $6 of revenue to letsrun.com. You know, I brought in like 500. So, boom. Robert doesn't even know the math. He just makes up numbers on revenue and stuff. Like he's got some figure in his head and it's always off. But I, I love how he calculates like these things in his head you guys are lucky you don't actually see robert right now because he was holding his finger and his thumb together in that gesture that trump does and he's calling us folks i mean i'm getting some serious trump vibes right now anyways but that article surpassed john's article the most article most popular article that john wrote all olympic trials coverage related was marty hair poops (laughs) did he wipe Google picked that up, and John got close to 100,000 views on that, that one. So, and Google for the record, retro- he did not wipe, but he did run a big PR of 211.29 to finish sixth of the Olympic trials. So really impressive stuff, despite taking a bathroom break at mile 18. So all of that happened. I had my first, I was mobbed at, a, at the local playground by a Wait, family. Mo- what do you mean mobbed? This was a great, this was amazing. And there's one of my highlights, probably the highlight of my adult life, if y'all want to get into that. Also, we had a caller call in to the Let's Run office. It was very complimentary of the podcast. Anyways, been a good week for me. Okay, Robert, I'm very happy for you. And then we actually have we actually have running news to talk about. Yeah, where do you want to start? Well, and it's Vaporfly related, so want to go there first or brag about me? Yes, let's go to the 
Japanese women's marathon results because they're fascinating. I'm surprised Robert didn't play this up more himself in the week that was. <coughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Corona, Corona. I'm coughing. That is one thing with the flu when I actually had the flu. I really wasn't coughing much and now I'm coughing more. But fortunately, I don't interact with that many people during the day. But the Japanese Olympic marathon trials, in case you guys don't know, they were called the Grand Marathon Championships, which is a ridiculously cool name. Marathon Actually, Grand. The marathon Grand Championship, Weldon. Still a very cool name. So the Marathon Grand Championship, MGC. And they were held last fall in Tokyo. And the way they worked was top three nominally were on the Olympic marathon team. But the top two were only guaranteed. And then if anyone, and they picked like, I don't know, I'm going to say five prominent Japanese marathons. If anyone ran faster than anyone else had run up to that point in the qualifying window in these remaining Japanese marathons, they would bump the third person from the team. So on the men's side, a Japanese record had been set in the, in the qualifying period. So you'd have to break the Japanese record to make the team. On the women's side, the time to beat was... 2.22.23, which is still pretty fast, but not the national record. Right. And then, so, Osaka was up January 24th. That was the first attempt this year for someone to break it. And, hey, what happened when people are incentivized to do something? They go out and do it. 24-year-old Mizuki Matsuda ran 2.21.47. And then she had these famous words... There's nobody else in the country who can beat that time. Well, unfortunately, what Mizuki did not factor in was 22-year-old Mao Ichiyama and the fact that she decided to wear Vaporflies for the first time. Mao's team is sponsored by Adidas, or has Adidas leased on her singlets, and she had worn Adidas in the previous marathons. She switched to the Vaporflies... The Alpha Flies, in fact. Alpha Flies. This week in the Nagoya Marathon, the final chance for a Japanese woman to make the team. What'd she do? She ran out and ran 2.20.29 to punch her ticket to Sapporo. So this is, one, it shows, I mean, we, we can debate, should the U.S. do a system like this, have a marathon in the fall, and then let people really go after it in the spring? I mean, maybe there's too much of an emphasis on time, but these people are so incentivized to run fast, they just it's all or nothing, and they go for it. But... Ichiyama, prior to this race, had run 2.24 in her debut. Then she came back a month later. I'm not sure why she did that. Ran 2.27 in London. And then at the Grand Championships, it was a very difficult course. She was 6 in 2.32. Switches shoes and drops at 2.20. I mean, it's just a testament to everything, what you can talk about. You can't, you can't say it's just the shoes, but this was by far her best marathon. It's a very fast, world-class time. And it just sort of shows where the sport is. Those who can switch shoes still might be an advantage. And we really need, it reiterates the need for independent testing on these shoes. Hopefully World Athletics is going to pay for that. We now have a four-month window coming into effect where shoes can't be worn unless they've been out for four months. So that should give the World Athletics and the governing bodies, the scientists, the ability to test these shoes and show that if some are vastly superior to others. Yes. I'm sure some people will say she did have six months to train for this marathon, unlike the others where she only had a few months. But it was a four-minute, four-second PR. And I think a huge percentage of that is just the shoes. 
So, you know, it's interesting. Most of the Japanese qualifying window was run with people not running in the, in the vapor flies and the alpha flies, particularly probably on the women's side. And then now people are just like, we got to wear them. And she's going to the Olympics as a result. And Weldon says that he hopes that World Athletics test these shoes. My theory, he may get mad. Since there's going to be no running events to talk about soon, we'll be talking shoes, shoes, shoes nonstop. I keep claiming we're going to have Jeff Burns on here. We get Jeff Burns on this show. He's a biomechanist, PhD candidate, University of Michigan. And we're going to ask him. I said, Jeff, when's the date? April 1st, guys? So it's it's coming up. We get all the shoes that are out April 1st. And I'm going to May ask first you, is the is the date they okay May first available. Jeff, how much will it cost to test all these shoes? You know, we probably have six pairs. I want to test them all, and I want to test them against the original original vapor flies, against the next percents, and the alpha flies, and each other. You know, how much will that cost? We crowdfund it, so we're in charge of the study. Boom, the Jeff Burns Let's Run dot com shoe study. Wow. The problem is these shoes are about 250 bucks a pop, and they want to test them on multiple athletes. <laughs> you know, if they want 40 athletes in each study, maybe way too many, but that's 10 grand. Well, yeah. I'm going to put a limit on Jeff. Jeff would probably want to do like a ton of things because there's individual variation. So, you know, like Molly Huddle supposedly only 2%, and some people are 4%. I'm just, well. But also for the testing, right? There's all these interesting things. Do you have to find an athlete that can run, say, 68 minutes for the half that pace pretty comfortably because let's just say you put it on someone else and they're not that caliber runner and you're saying hey run for two minutes that might be a very different type of running than if you put someone who's very comfortable running that pace there's just so many things that you'd have to factor so the, the shoe companies world athletics should maybe have put like a I don't know, like a tax or something on these things, on the companies to pay for testing, saying, hey, if you want to use these shoes in the Olympics, you have to be, make so many pairs available for testing. You have to be willing to pay for the testing, uh, something like that. Uh, I don't know, just because I think testing this, maybe it's just a nominal amount of money for, for these governing bodies, but it needs to be done. Well, you're also assuming that you can find a pair of, vapor, of alpha flies. And right now they're going for thousands of dollars in the secondary market. And who knows what Nike is a... Fi- you know, officially to meet the rules, they have made some pairs available to the general public, but those pairs were snapped up immediately. Who knows when they're actually going to be like legit in stores and available online. And what did yours truly say? I told everyone who qualified for the Olympic trials, all 700 of them to make sure they got their pair of amplifiers because they could sell them for a small fortune on eBay. Speaking of shoes, it came out last week. Molly Hoddle has written an article on slate.com about how she's trying to qualify for the Olympics during the coronavirus. I think she was really just trying to get a writing sample out in Slate.com. But the interesting thing there was two things. One, she flew in the middle seat to Atlanta, which I thought was unusual. I know she's probably pretty small, but I would have paid for the window or aisle if I could have. But I can see myself being cheap and not upgrading, thinking it's only a few-hour flight. But two, she had to run the trials. Not only did she not wear a carbon fiber plate, she couldn't get her normal Saucony flat. She normally orders it directly from Saucony. And it's a custom-made shoe. Like, they do sell it, but it's got, like, a special upper and a special bottom, and you have to order it online, and it comes straight from the factory in China. And she couldn't get one. So she had to wear a pair of flats that she said, quote-unquote, had 100 more miles than I would have preferred. So I don't know. This was disturbing to me. She's already said that she's not a huge responder to these new shoes. So apparently she did test in these new Saucony shoes that Jared Ward wears. 
And she improved though her economy by 2.2%. I was reading this last week. I did not know this. So 2.2% to me seems decent, but she really hurt her ankle, became injured, and she wasn't sure if it was because of the shoe, but she said she could feel it when she was wearing these shoes. So she shortly thereafter became injured and thought it's not worth it to wear these shoes. But to me, folks, this is a big thing. Think about it. Even if the shoe did injure me in training, I wouldn't wear it in training. But if it's 2%, now that may just be running economy, then you only get a 2.3, you only get two thirds of that in actual race time. So two thirds of 2% would be what, one and a half percent? I don't know, man. Guys, if I'm her, I still put those babies on for the race. Unless it's going to, unless I'm certain it's going to injure me. I can't give up one and a half percent. No way. Can't do it. I mean, that's two, three minutes. No way am I giving that up. I would have, if I was her and I couldn't have gotten my spikes, this is another reason why she should have just put on the alpha flies or the vapor flies and see what happened. You know, we don't know that she's not a good marathoner. I don't think she's most people who are as good as she is in the roads end up being good at the marathon. She's gotten second in New York. She's never run fast. So her last couple of marathons, her last couple of marathons have been a little disappointing, but she, hell, it could all be the shoes. One and a half percent. I mean, that that's much smaller than some of the gains people are talking about. That's still 2.1 minutes at 220 marathon pace. So that's a lot of time to give up. It's just sad that this is what we have to talk about right now. Whether someone has the best equipment or is it a disadvantage because of the equipment they don't have. Whereas, thankfully, well, we haven't had to worry about that in sprinting or javelin or something like that. But it sounds like it may be coming just to sprinting. Wait till the flies. Yep. And it's not what the sport should be about. This isn't car racing. This is track and field. This is athletics. It's called world athletics. Uh, Robert, before we leave this whole topic behind, you brought out something interesting, I think, talking about the Japanese Olympic trials and their selection system. Which do you guys prefer? The American trial system, where it's top three past the line is on the team, and that's that. Or the Japanese system, where the top two spots of the trials are guaranteed, and then you can basically race your way onto the team during the winter slash spring marathon season. I love the U.S. Olympic marathon trials. But I think if you do have a fall trials, which they did in New York in 2017, they should do the Japanese system. It, it creates drama. It creates incentive for people to really go out and run fast. And I, I think a lot of times in America, we don't have that. People are sort of, uh, people may hate what I'm about to say, but they're content to be the first American, maybe not be the best in the world. I mean, you, people say, oh, how can you say that, Chalene Flanagan and Des, and Mebs, all Mebs medals and wins. But... I think all and any more incentive we can get to people to aim even higher is good. So I think if we ever were going to have a situation where we had a fall trials again, you could try the Japanese system. Yeah, I think the Japanese system is brilliant. Do you guys realize that during the peak viewing Nagoya Marathon this weekend, 30% of the Japanese TVs were turned on to this race? Now, they love the marathon there anyways, and the Hakone Ekiden sometimes gets the TV's ratings that high, and they're having the Olympics there. But that's crazy. The question I have, John, though, is, what races, we don't really have a big domestic winter or even spring marathon season. We basically have three big marathons in this country, right? I mean, I guess Houston would work. Houston would work because um, it's a fast course. But could you allow Boston? What if you get a huge tailwind? Yeah, but I mean, Boston, I think there's positives and negatives. If you have a, What if you have a big headwind? It would be a sign from God that, you know, <laughs> that, you, that you should be on that team. So... What other races do we have 
You can't do Cal International. I don't think that's that's too downhill to me to, to be allowed. Well, it would also probably be too close to full trials. So I, I don't know what races we'd have. Plus, John, you were talking to me about this off air. The times to beat were the fastest times to run during the qualifying time window. So for the U.S., no one, what man is going to beat Rupp's time? Right. I mean, it's sort of dependent on the state of U.S. marathoning. Because right now, yeah, no one is going to show up and run 20607. I mean, maybe maybe Leonard Courier, if he went to like London or something and had the super shoes, he might be able to do it, but 20607 is just really fast for an American. Yeah, I think he, actually I think he could do it. Yeah. I mean, he he's about the only guy. But for for women, I think you could I mean, 22057 would have been the fastest time by his say in Chicago. I mean, that's yeah, that's also tough. But if Sarah Hall can run 222, I feel like some of these women, you get them on a fast course on a really fast day. It would be fun. Actually, it doesn't have to be a U.S. race, maybe. Maybe the rule isn't just a U.S. race. How pumped would you be if Emily Sisson was going to London? Try to run 220 or bust? I mean, that would yep. be pretty incredible. Although, the problem is, since we don't have these winter marathons, I guess she could have gone to Nagoya to try to do it, you know, if we had a fall marathon. Because if you're Sisson, what do you do? Do you go all in on London, 220, 57? Yeah. Or do you get do the safe bet and just get ready for the track trials where you're much likelier, much more likely to make the team? I think she'd skip London and do the track trials. I think so too. Uh, and also, people, Americans like Boston pays a premium for Americans, all these other races. Like, will Americans pass up a nice payday? Like, they've already passed up a full marathon payday to run the trials if, in this situation. Would they pass up another one from an American marathon in the spring uh, to, to chase a fast time in Olympic selection? One other thing about this is I think that, again, we talked a little bit about Atlanta. Like, are you trying to replicate a team that's going to do well in the Olympics in these hot, humid conditions? And the Japanese system of running fast and cool conditions is completely different than the Olympics. It's completely different than the trials. So it, it may not be the best way to pick up. Because to me, running well in hot weather is almost like a different sport for some people. I, I didn't like it, despite the fact I grew up in Texas. But, you know, hey, sometimes it, it's not all about optimizing everything perfectly some of this is entertainment and some of this is growing the sport and making it more popular so i love the japanese system and i do think if, if we have a false system this would be a great way to do it for the u.s well and i think the other thing is who you know osako broke the record in tokyo this year he ran 205 29 well he was third at the trials anyway so he would have been on, you know he would have been on the team regardless and then marichiyama who just ran 220 29 to get the final spot in the women's team she was sixth at the trials, so it's not like these people were getting smoked. I mean, maybe the provision is you need to be. No, actually, I don't know if I don't like a top ten provision at the trials because if you have some big talent dropping out, but like, I guess this is we run it back, run it back to the 20, 2008 trials. Meb famously did not make that team. He wasn't fully healthy. Could you imagine Meb going out to some spring marathon and then ripping Brian Sell off the team? I mean, would you guys? He'd be. You'd have the stud taken off the blue collar. Hero, would you guys be okay with that? No, John, there'd be a rule put in place. If it's a blue-collar runner, you know, you're not allowed to bump him from the team. So there'd be a vote yeah. held, and if it was like a surprise third-place finisher, <laughs> they get their spot protected. Let's Run has a blue-collar... Um, we have a, a panel to determine blue-collar runner status. Like, who was a blue-collar... Abdi was the blue third-place of this year. Sorry, Abdi, you're too good. Not blue-collar. On the women's side, it was Kip Diego. Yeah, also not blue-collar, so that'd be vulnerable. But if it was like Jake Riley or Molly Seidel... Is, wait, wait. All right, here's a question. Jake Riley, I think, unsponsored, we can agree, is a blue-collar runner. Molly Seidel, huge pedigree, but also was, prior to the last build-up, was working in a coffee shop, 
wasn't a huge big name. Molly Seidel, blue collar runner or not? Can you go from being NCAA champion to blue collar runner? Four time sure. NCAA champion. No, no, no. You got to have a little more time, at least in purgatory. I mean, maybe we get the status. She's like a faux blue collar runner. I give her credit. I mean, she's living with her sister. It's very cool, but the pedigree is too good. The pedigree is just golden. Well, what is, is I was actually listening to something with Riley. I think the podcast Insidious or somewhere. I was like, this guy's considered blue collar. This is like people talk about white privilege. This is a dude, a white dude who went to Stanford, who was getting his master's in engineering. Like, oh, what a blue collar lifestyle. Who? <laughs> but yes, is he blue collar, guys? Are we going to agree with that? Yeah, if you're unsponsored and coming into the trials, I think you have to be on blue collar. Even though you're wearing the vapor voice, alpha voice, he was giving them to him for free. Like a blue, if he was truly some sort of non-blue collar, he would have been giving them ahead of time. He would have been training in them. You know, he just tried these on the day before the race. Okay, guys. Speaking of blue collar, I think we'd all say Des London, despite her Hanson Brooks team status for so long was always considered to be a blue-collar runner. She wasn't a star mean, despite college. her Hanson's Brooks status? They're the, like the definition of the blue-collar pro team. That's where Cell came from. I was debating if you're on a team, if you're allowed to be blue-collar. Okay, yeah, so they're on a blue-collar team. Keith and Kevin Hanson, brothers, we love you. Anyways, she's always been the blue-collar runner. But I'm wondering now, after writing what I did in the week that was, if you haven't read it, it's just up on the website, should we strip her of her blue-collar running status? Folks, I, I couldn't believe it. This week and the week that was, I decided to take a deep dive in the mile-by-mile mile splits. Kind of, I wanted to factor in the hills and see what type of effort people were running. Even if you're not looking at the hills, at the 23-mile mark, Des Linden found herself 16 seconds back of Sally Kipiego. She was in fourth place. She's trying to make the Olympics. If I told her, Des, Sally's going to run 556, 559, and 610 for the 26th mile on the way home, all you had to do is run 555 mile average and you're an Olympian. She would have probably cashed in her retirement checks. She would have bet her entire net worth that she'd make that team. Yet she wasn't able to do it. Should we strip her of her blue collar status, folks? 601, 559, and six flat on the way home from Des. Why would I strip her of her blue collar status <sighs> because she didn't close hard enough in a marathon? That makes no sense. She was tired. Hey, guess what? It was a tough race. The ending of that race was really uphill and really hard. Like, does that mean she's not a blue collar runner anymore? I think the one thing you could say is she won Boston. Is she too good to be a blue collar runner now? Like, what point do you cross over from being like, blue collar underdog to she's been so good and is the two-time olympian you can no longer call her blue collar i'm just kind of tongue in cheek john but no i think this shows you yes she was tired as hell and this i love this because it shows you, you can't she's the champion she's as tough as f she's one of the toughest runners everyone will say ever and you can't just will yourself to an olympic team i mean they were crawling home it was like who's slowing down the least is going to make the olympic team Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, actually, it's very interesting, Robert, because if you listen to her in the post-race press conference, she was saying there were parts she was thinking about dropping out. She's like, I got Boston coming up. Should I just bag it? And she's like, no, screw it. I'm gonna, I get, this is the Olympic trials. You know, It might be my last Olympic trials. I'm going to go out there, and she almost comes back and makes the team. And I think it's funny that we look at these elite runners as, as gods and just utterly fearless and they don't struggle through the same things that we do but they 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 think about dropping out in these races i mean there was this interview i'm not sure if you guys saw this 
25 minutes sit down Galen Rutwood did with a, I think it was a local TV station in Portland ahead of the trials. And he was very candid. He was smiling the whole time. And he was talking about the 2016 Olympic marathon and he was hurting so badly. He was in third place at the time and he was thinking about dropping out because he was hurting so badly. And he's like, what are you doing? You're third place in the Olympic marathon. Like you got to stick this out, man. But it's just crazy that they, pro runners. Yeah. They hurt just as much, probably more than you guys do at the end of these races. Wait a second. Galen Rupp did a 25 minute sit down with a TV station. Oh, I was going to say the same thing. I'm blown away too. How, why is this a black page? Why didn't somebody I, tell me I about I thought it? you guys had heard about this. It's been on the message boards. Well, why are black we highlighting page this? for sure. How is this being highlighted? Steve Soprano who does the front page. I'm in charge of the front page today, actually. God, people don't know what to highlight. Sometimes people miss it. Steve, you're fired. How did you not pump this up? Did, was it like a 30-minute special on the channel, or they just had highlights? In the I, it was on YouTube. They had this whole interview. I don't know how much of it ran on TV, but most of it was like fairly – was not related to – well, some of it was related to the trials, but like – he was. He seemed very happy the whole time, except when it was brought up the Salazar stuff towards the end. They the guy brought up a couple questions about that, and then he sort of the smile disappeared for a little bit. But most of the time, Galen was, you know, friendly, giving some pretty good answers. I mean, it was. I recommend people watching it. Okay, here's the question: Is Galen giving these interviews because Alberto was popped, or now Alberto's no longer in charge and he's more willing to? just sort of speak out and be who he is. And I'd argue the same thing with Pete P. Julian. Pete Julian's Instagram's like taken off now that Alberto isn't there. Are both these things an attempt to sort of change their narrative, open up, show a personal side, because otherwise the questions are very negative? Or do you think Alberto's not there at the top sort of clamping down telling them what they can do? Yeah, like, is he a bird that snuck out of the cage and is flying free? Or is this some calculating thing? It's fascinating to me, Weldon. I agree with you. You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, really. But, you know, I, I, Weldon said this to me the other day on the phone, John. Imagine if Galen Rupp was a woman, particularly, and he wasn't, okay. quite, as, and he wasn't quite as successful. Let's say he never won an Olympic medal. I think you could easily argue that he was like a Stockholm syndrome candidate and he was sort of like Mary Kane controlled his whole life and he just never got out. Now, when you make as what much money. What are you trying to argue here, Robert? Yes. If Galen Rupp doesn't have the success, is there this. Is the same narrative of Mary Kane around him, essentially? I mean, I'll never forget when this guy was in high school, I competed against guys who he trained with and they said, I said, what's up with this kid? And they're like, he'll never be any good long term. Like, you can't treat a high school kid like this. They're just burning him out in workouts. He's falling over the track. Like, it just there's no way long term this works out. Uh, two Olympic medals later, <laughs> what? Like the greatest career, and de- who knows for how long for an American distance runner. If it didn't work out, would he? He probably still wouldn't be doing it, and he probably still wouldn't be with Alberto. Like. I think the reason he stuck it out is because it went well. I can't, I'm not going to get into speculating about like what the reception would be like if he was a little slower and if there's just too many variables to me. I just think he, yeah, he's had a lot of success and that's why he's still doing this system or why he was in that system for so long. 
But he could come out and say, you know, and he made me take this testosterone when I was in high school, and I was, you know, it could be very, very similar to the Mary Kane situation if he was if he was bitter. Yeah, very easily could be. You know, I always think like, oh, how much more is Nike going to pay him, pay that pay him down the road? Oh, normally Nike, when you're at your peak, they stop paying you because they realize you're not going to produce greater stuff. Allison Felix, no longer. Uh, Nick Simmons, no longer. Leo Manzano, no longer. You know, once they got those at the top, boom. That they were allowed to go elsewhere. You think they might do that with Rupp, but Rupp's probably got some dirt on Salazar that they don't want to get out there. So, anyways. Well, hey, I was looking at the Olympic marathon trials results, and you guys talking about the finish. Stephanie Bruce, the one person I said we could root for, she was only 19 seconds from making the team. That's sort of the crazy thing at the end. She was actually gaining a little bit on them. None of these women are running that fast the last two miles. But it reminded me, we have two special podcasts that John did this week. This was not sponsored Hoka One One content. Jonathan Gall doing this on his own. We've got Ben Rosario, coach of Hoka NAZ Elite and coach of the Olympic Marathon Trials, Alephine Tulumbuk. Those are both special podcasts. We have Alephine on for about, I think, 40 minutes and Ben for about an hour. So those should be in your feeds. Listen to those podcasts as well. Yeah, I mean, the lost, well, you think of the lost Olympic trials, the winning coach was. The winning coaches were Jerry Schumacher and Albert Alberto Salazar, who are not really known for talking to the media. So I think the Ben Rosario interview, I mean, if you want to hear about how a coach coaches someone to the Olympic trials title and what they experience on race day, I think it's really enlightening. He said a lot of cool stuff. Um, definitely listen to that one. And then obviously Alephine, she's been doing a lot of media rounds, but it was great to talk to her. And she just gives you a lot of stuff from her. How much I think the really thing that stuck with me from the Alephine interview was how much it means to her to be a U.S. citizen, and you know she told the story about how she got sworn in and how she was tearing up during the national anthem, and now even whenever she hears the national anthem, you and I probably I certainly just take it for granted before these big sporting events, but it always makes her feel emotional because she remembers that day when she got sworn in, then playing it, and she still always gets that memory, which I thought was very cool. Sounds interesting. I haven't listened to it, but one thing I was thinking about her, right? Someone told me this. She kind of, her goal is to try to be the female map. Yeah. How'd she do that? Well, I, I told her, I was like, you're on your way. The thing is, when Meb, she, because she sort of mentioned like meddling in Sapporo, that was certain, that was something she's thinking about because she knows Meb meddled uh, when he ran his first Olympic marathon. But the, then I was like, well, you're not following the Meb playbook because Meb didn't actually win the trials in 2004. Uh, Alephine did. So she's done that and. Meb's obviously got a New York City and a Boston title as well, but Alphine's she's only she's only thirty, I think, so she's got a few years to go. And she's close to Meb because her agent is Mahawi Kafuski, Meb's brother. So Meb actually met with her, I think, what the night before the trials, gave her some advice. It's sort of interesting to hear Alphine talk about it because until this marathon, her, her marathon career really wasn't very good, and she struggled with fueling. And now, even like Coach Ben makes fun of her because she. Eats like way too many gels, and scientifically, they think it you don't really, you, that much fuel can't help you. But she's like swears by it. But she ran New York in the fall. It didn't go great, but she's like it was great for me, confidence wise. Like that was the one that showed like I'm a marathoner, I can do this. And then, I mean, when she talks about this trials race, she's like, yeah, I had, you know, pretty much no pain, no discomfort for 25 miles. And now the question is, you know, her sights are very high. She wants a medal and. Tokyo so hopefully there is a Tokyo and then maybe we discuss the metal prospects later yeah 
All right. Well, one meet that is happening this weekend. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get to the NCAA indoors. Okay. I think we'll spend the rest of the show, right, on NCAA indoors, previewing, getting excited. There was one U.S. road race last week. The U.S. 15K championships. Whoever decided to put the U.S. 15K championships on the road the week after the marathon trials wasn't exactly the smartest person. But there is a fantastic story, folks. Well, a couple fantastic stories. Mariel Hall, just nine days after running 1520 for 5,000 indoors, made her 15K debut. She won in 48.52, which makes her the fifth fastest woman at Jacksonville Gate River Run. History, the four women ahead of her, all royalty in American distance running. Shailene Flanagan, Dina Castor, Molly Huddle, and Francie LaRue-Smith. If you don't know who Francie LaRue-Smith is, folks, it's pretty amazing. She made the Olympics at the 1500 in 19, I want to say 72. Is that right, John? And then she made another Olympics in the marathon in like 92? Anyways, I know she made the Olympics in the 1500 in the marathon. Five-time U.S. Olympian. Pretty Texan, crazy. baby, Texan. So, anyways, um, ran pretty fast, 48-52 on the women's side. But on the men's side, even even Immigrant success story. Immigrant it, success. Yes. More Another inspiring one. story, folks. Um, Rudion Harufi, who was born in Morocco, but he's become an American citizen, and he loves America like we all should. Quote, America has given me everything for me and my family, and I would like to pay it back by proudly wearing the red, white, and blue at international competitions. This is the best country in the world, and I'll be proud, along with my wife and my three American sons, they're all born here, to raise the American flag high up for the world to see. And I want to give back to my community, and that's why I'm involved in coaching. That's what he said on his website a few years ago, folks. He has won the U.S. title in 2020 at Jacksonville. His time was 44-42. It's actually the slowest winning time since the first year, 1978, when Bill Rogers won in 44-46. But, folks, I was kind of being sarcastic. I'm, gra- I'm glad that he loves America. I, I, I mean, he does re- re- understand how amazing this place is, but this guy was an EPO cheat. He got popped in 2013. I posted this on the message board. Some people think I'm being unrealistic. How in the hell did this guy get citizenship? I don't understand how that wouldn't be a disqualifier. People are like, what do you mean? It's not a crime. We have billions of people that would love to be Americans. Like, you can be extremely selective. It's like picking, like, who goes to Harvard. You have everyone. You can pick all valedictorians. Like, anything that you basically have, they have to be perfect. Like, I don't know. To me, this really bothered me. I understand it. He's got three kids to support. I can see why he'd cheat. I have less problem, honestly, with a poor person cheating to support their family, doing EPO or Kenyan, who can make life-changing money. I can understand that. That's a lot less bothersome to me than someone like Martin Fagan doing it or some, you know, um, rich American or, you know, college-educated American. But this story really bothered me. Yeah, it bothered a lot of people in the U.S. running community, Robert. I mean, if you, I got on Twitter that morning and just so many people in my timeline are just like, this is awful. This guy shouldn't be allowed to race. Like, why is he here? And, you know, the Hanson Brooks team, actually, we, we gave a shout out to Keith and Kevin Hanson earlier. They're going to be paying out their athletes as if they got one place higher in the elite fields because they're ignoring how he ran, you know, they're just taking out Harufi and saying, this guy doesn't count. He's a cheat. Frank Lara, we should mention 
from Roots Running, Furman alum. He was second in the race. He was the first non-doper uh, or non-person who served a doping ban. So he finished in 44-44. Uh, but yeah, this was not not really a happy moment for the U.S. distance running community. And I did a little research. I posted there's a message board thread on this if you want to see it. I, I was I didn't know how citizenship works. Did a little research. There is a morals clause. Applicants are supposed to be required. They have good moral character, and theoretically, something like adultery could get you barred from citizenship. But I don't know violating any federal, state, or local law against controlled substances or drug paraphernalia is supposed to be a disqualifier. So if he's on EPO, EPO is a prescription drug. To me, that's a violation of a drug law. I know he wasn't convicted of it. I'm sorry. You know, I know his kids are citizens. I wouldn't have even given him citizenship. So, you know, I think, I don't know. Mark my word. I don't want to get, Walton doesn't want to make this political. I don't want to make it political either. But I think before I die, I said before I die that I'd never see a sub two hour marathon. So that's obviously was way, way, way off, but I didn't expect paper flies. But before I die, I think they will end the birthright citizenship. I don't think that anybody automatically born in America will be an American citizen. It makes no sense when people are just randomly over in this country. If Karanisha Baba flies over and drops a baby off, that it's a U.S. citizen. My, again, my Hillary Clinton speechwriting friend, she had a baby in China. I said, is your baby a dual citizen? They laughed. Her husband's like, do you think China would give our baby citizenship? Hell no, they're giving this baby citizenship. All right. We're very into political talk show realms here. So we may need to cut off Rojo's mic at some point. But well, then. A couple of things. One, you guys also had in the week that was the number of out of competition drug tests by the top three of the Olympic marathon trials. So Rupp had 10 last year. He has already two this year. Jake Riley had one last year, none this year. Abdi had five last year, none this year. The women's side, there's only one, period. Alephine Tulemuk had one. I don't know, you guys, were, were you guys trying to point something out, highlight that? I think it's just interesting. One, it shows drug testing is expensive. But like Alephine, Molly, Sally, they weren't doing that much that last year. So kind of makes sense that they're not going to be tested i mean uh, yeah an ideal world where drug tests are free and there's no transaction cost in testing you test everyone all the time but that's not how it works yeah after it went up I, well, cause it made the women look bad because they only been tested once i wasn't trying to say they're guilty i just think like hey it's pretty it would be pretty easy to violate this if you wanted to i don't have i wasn't trying to to, to sit you know sort of insinuate anything really by that specifically. And if you actually look at those numbers, cause I don't, you know, I, I didn't even realize the men's numbers like that. I think that makes more sense. Rob obviously needs to be tested a lot just because of association with Salazar and Abby, you know, listen, he trained Martin Fagan at one point, Martin Fagan got popped. He trains in, in Ethiopia right now. So I, I'm fine with him being tested extremely on a lot as well. I mean, he is 43 and running extremely on a high level. So I, I think that, oh, the temptation to do the drugs is often late in your career. You're trying to get another paycheck. Mary Slaney did it late in her career. At least she was busted for doing it late in her career. You know, I, the, I think those make most sense. Test those two the most, but you'd like to have more money around to, to, to test everybody. Yeah, well, to me, that sort of testing numbers made sense. Rupp should be tested, obviously, with Salazar. They're still targeting, it looks like. And the fact that, I mean, Abdu wasn't that great last year. He ran well in New York at the very end of the year. But that, that to me, shows that they are targeting 
um, like Americans training abroad because people are suspicious of that. So I don't know if people said go to USAD and say, hey, you need to, you need to target these people. But you know, the old thinking used to be like, oh, there's not a lot of testing in Ethiopia and Kenya, and that's really improved. And then now there are labs there, but sort of the fact you saw hey, if you want to go train there, yeah, we're actually going to test you a little bit more. I'm fine with that. It shows me, you know, that testing isn't random. So, you know, it, it, I want people who are under the most suspicion tested the most, and ideally they pass the test and hopefully are clean, you know? And we keep promising to go to NCAAs, but one last drug-related thing. John, exciting news, right? In the sense of, John wrote an article, a feature on Jerry and Lawson, the star long jumper and also 100-meter man. He had tested positive for a very tiny amount of drugs. I know some people are going to be mad and think that we only offer getting Americans off of drugs. But if you're going to let some people get off for tainted beef, you need to let them all get off. He's been cleared. Tell the viewers about that, listeners to that. Yeah, well, he was... This happened in... June of 2018 is when he tested positive. And then it took almost two months for him to actually learn about this positive test and for them to suspend him, during which time he was still competing. He missed the end of the 2018 season. He missed all of 2019 because he appealed his case to the Athletics Integrity Unit. They denied his appeal. So then he appealed that decision to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And finally, they ruled... they. T- came to that decision and told him last week he has been cleared of all charges. He's eligible to compete immediately. And I mean, he, his supporters will tell you it's a great day for clean sport. They think this is an athlete who didn't do anything wrong. And I think if you read the case, you can certainly make a strong argument. That's what happened. I mean, no one can definitively ever say, did someone dope? Did someone not? That's sort of the, that's only the athlete knows. But if you look at the details of the case, everything sort of suggests this is a beef positive and not something, you know, the, the level of it in his system was very low and you could say that's the tail end of intentional use, but I think the more likely scenario is probably that he ate something that was contaminated and got unlucky the next day with a test. So he has been cleared. Uh, it's, he's lost a big chunk of his career, you know, a year and a half. So it's going to be very interesting. He almost won the Olympic gold in the long jump in 2016. Remember he, his final round jump, he just grazed the pit with his fingertips. And that one, that could have been a gold medal medal winning jump potentially. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back and also how he's received. I think a lot of people in the jumps community have believed his story, but you know, there's always, if you Google him, essentially talking to his agent, Paul Doyle, he's like, look, I think a lot of people in the sport have respect for him. They know what happened, but if you just Google Jerry and Lawson and you see positive test overturned and that's all you know about it, you're probably going to think he's a dopo who got it on a technicality. So it's very tough for these people if they're truly banned for the wrong reasons or banned for something that was beyond their control to regain their full reputation. That, that never actually happens. It's very tough. This shows that the court of arbitration in sport hears things from scratch. Alberto Salazar now goes there. I don't know what the running... I don't think the running uh, world in America could take it if he was cleared. I'm hoping he's cleared. I'm hoping he's cleared. It's going to be so good for business. People won't know how to react. It'll be amazing. Oh, my God. All right. We're going to hold you to that, Robert. When the verdict comes in, we're going to play this back. March 11th, 2020. Robert Johnson is rooting for Salazar to be cleared by CAS. He was... I wanted him banned for years, but I wanted him banned for actually doping somebody. Not his son. Not Steve Magnus. Anyways, guys. John. You're going to sacrifice your life. No, speaking of business, first, we need sponsors for things. 
we need to have the runner, like the runner of the podcast, runner of the week. I don't know what sort of shoe company would want to sponsor that. And this is related to Crone. I'm surprised you guys missed this story. Are you guys familiar with Pan Shanku? Was this the guy who ran 30 miles in his apartment around the table or something? Yes, yes, yes. Big thread on Let's Run right now. Titled, Coronavirus. Chinese man under lockdown runs 31 miles in his living room. Now, I just glanced at that heading at first, and I I thought it said 31 minutes. So I thought he ran a 31-minute 10K in his treadmill. And I'm like, oh, whatever. No, you click on it. There's a guy running around. There's a video. He's running around his table, and he claims to run an ultra. So, Jim Walmsley fans, Marathon Investigation will probably get on this, make sure it was legitimate. (laughs) I thought this was amazing. I assumed it was a treadmill. So, I was like, 31 miles of travel, who cares? But then I see the guy running around this tiny apartment, just like, how many loops is that? I mean, this guy deserves to be, we need to send him him from some freak. We need to make Let's Run t-shirts and send them to this guy. Isn't this story, like, months old? I heard a story that was almost identical to this, like, two months ago are we just recycling this or did some other guy do it as well john trying to provide facts yet again to kill a good narrative john we're in the story we're in the entertainment business if it was two years ago act like it's new well let's actually do you guys just hear about this the patriots came back from 25 point deficit in the super bowl it was really big first ever overtime super bowl should we talk about that uh, I guess not. Though I did watch, it's funny, the replay was on NFL Network last night and the fourth quarter was just starting and I had to watch it. It was it was really fun. I texted Chris Lotz, but I'm like, hey, Super Bowl 51's on. He w- starts watching it. We're just sending each other gifts. It was, all right, I'll, I'll stop annoying all the Patriots haters, but it's really fun to go back and watch that game. Okay, the thread on Let's Run, I looked it up, John. It links to an article from one month ago, February 11th. So, it's you know, we got it up on the website within a month it's hard for news to get here from china with a lockdown right we're just preparing people for the lockdown here what they should do that sort of thing well yeah i mean if there is a lockdown that's really going to help let's run right more people working from home people without stuff to do we can work remotely and pump out podcasts and this stuff i mean well i i thought about that but what are we going to talk about there's not going to be any races to to break down i'm I'm most concerned about all these track races being nobody can get olympic qualifiers so if you have an olympic qualifier it's a big help for making the team assuming there's a team to make i think we just make up brief results you know the week of the boston marathon we just have a podcast about how we think the boston marathon happened like oh des linden comes back wins her second boston title can you believe ryan hall came out of retirement and ran 215 this is amazing you know i mean if boston's canceled we will have to have a virtual live boston marathon like where we commentate and stuff and we can do stuff like oh god they're interviewing the wheelchair person sorry we don't know what's happening (laughs) Uh, it's actually, it works out conveniently. Brighton is playing Liverpool on Boston Marathon Monday at 3 p.m. And usually I'd be working in that spot, so it would free up my afternoon. Uh, all right, shall we talk about NCAAs, guys? After teasing it about five times already in this podcast? Yes, John. Considering you're going to your death to cover this meet, it's going to be a good one. I think that we've already got the men's distance preview up. It looks amazing. I mean, how many... How studly are, are these people? So, like, there's a ton of 355 milers in this thing. All told, there's 11 guys under 358 in NCAA this year, 12 under 750, 4 under 1330. John, 
We haven't got the women's preview out, but what are you most excited for since you're risking your life to cover this meet? <laughs> okay, let's let's not overblow that, but I am a 29-year-old, relatively healthy male, so I think if I end up dying from this thing, we might all be screwed. But I think the most interesting storyline is Danny Jones, who has chosen to enter the 800. She's from University of Colorado. She is the NCAA 5,000-meter champion. She is the 2018 NCAA cross-country champion. She also helped anchor Colorado. She anchored Colorado to the DMR victory in 2017. Her best event has usually been the 1500 though. She's never won a title in the 1500 of the mile, but now she's entered in the 800 and the mile at NCAAs. And I think this is wild for someone who is an NCAA cross country champion to be not just running the 800, but doing as a part of an 800 mile double. Is this foolish? Is this brilliant? What do you guys think? The adjective I would use is shocking. I mean, Mark Wetmore isn't exactly known for his 800 meter coaching. And I, I, but I love it because I think it's smart in the sense of when you go pro, people always sort of want to sponsor you based on what they think your leg speed is. Oh, she's not fast enough for the 1500, blah, blah, blah. So working on that eight, but it's just interesting to me that they decided to do this. Yeah, to me, it's fascinating. It's, the NCAA me is always more interesting when these huge talents take on big doubles. I mean, what was so great about NCAAs last year? Grant Holloway doing the 60 and the 60 hurdles. And he did the long jump in 4x4, by the way. But pulling off that double was amazing. Edward Cheserek in 2017, what were people pumped about? Because he was tripling. He did the mile, the 3K, and the 5K. Yeah, And same thing this time. Danny Jones, if she had just run the mile, she would have been a heavy favorite. I think she would have just crushed everyone. Now she's adding the 800 on top of that. I think it's fascinating. I really want to see how she does, how she recovers from the 800 prelim. I think she'll be fine for the... Honestly, I think she'll be fine for the mile final because running an 800 prelim, that's not that much different from running a DMR leg. I assume that they're not going to be crazy enough to run her on the DMR as well on Friday, but we'll see. But then coming back, I mean, if she get if she makes the 800 final and gets smoked, I think people are like, all right, fine, she was tied from the mile. But if she could do something crazy and... Win it or challenge Nia Akins or stop, know, some- stop, 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 stop. <laughs> win it? I don't think she's gonna win, win it? but if she if she does, people will go nuts. John, are you familiar? Well, you just said her name, so I know you know. She, I mean, you're an Ivy League person, Nia Akins. She she's run two flat seventy one. The NCAA record is two flat sixty nine. This woman is just as good as Raven Rogers. I know Raven Rogers. Whoa, 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 Ra- Robert! Come on, that's blasphemous. She's just as good as Raven Rogers. Raven Rogers won five NCAA titles. How many has Nia Aikens won? Well, she's about to win one, and she's been trending up. She was second both times last year. I, I think that this is a testament of you don't need to go pro early. You Why know, would she have gone pro early? She had zero NCAA titles. People are not going to be lining up to sign Nia Aikens, Robert. John, do I need to go through the list of men that have gone pro early without winning an NCAA title? Actually, can you help she me out? She got seventh at USA's. Who is go- Please, tell me who's going to be paying the seventh placer in the women's 800 at USA's the big bucks, Robert. Yeah, you just you just heard the entire list right there. Nia Akins has run 2 flat point seven. The number two qualifier is 202.75. That's kind of nuts. Two seconds behind. But Danny Jones is only at 203. It's kind of interesting, like... For the the women's level at NCAs, the times absolute level to make them really aren't that fast. So, I mean, she's the fifth seed, but you know the 800 is just not in her event. It's just very interesting. I think also it shows that Wetmore, 
he's free sometimes to thank his athletes sort of long-term, I don't know, objectives. He can try different things. Like Colorado's not usually involved in some sort of team battle at NCA. So, hey, yeah, you want to do the 800 mile double? Be interesting. No one's ever done it. All right, go for it. I want the, ba- I wish the backstory was like they lost a bet at practice and like, you know, it was like they had a bet on the Super Bowl or something. And if the Chiefs lost, then the Chiefs won, then Danny had to run both of it. She's like, yeah, you have to do the 800 NCAAs if they win. And that's the, I think that would be funny if that was the backstory. But I think they put a little bit more thought into it than that. Robert, I just want to say one more thing. You're handing the win to Nia Akins. Have you heard of someone called Carly Thomas from the University of Washington? That would be a negative. She's a freshman. True freshman. Just turned 19 years old on December 26th. She's from Australia. And she was the World Junior Championships silver medalist in 2018. And she's run 201 outdoors last year. That would have been right after her senior year of high school. Nia Akins is very good, but you like to bet big on talent. And Kali Thomas is a big talent. I'm not just going to hand the title to Aikens right away. There's a lot of teen talents in the 800 that don't necessarily end up being big talents. There's actually quite a few in the U.S. right now. I almost put them in the week that was, and I'm like, nope. Stick to your rule. If they're incredible at 15 and 16, do not talk about them until they PR at 18 and 19. No, that's not your rule. Your rule is mention them and say, I don't care about them until they, they PR 18 or, you know, try to belittle their accomplishments until they turn to high school, until the in college. Speaking of teen phenoms, folks, real quick, Caitlin Tui last week, the high school phenom who three-time NXN champ, who wasn't despite- See, you're breaking the, your own rule right here. Caitlin Tui's not 18 years old yet. and you're, No, because I, I'm showing you how to handle this. Last week, she ran the New York State meet, I think it was. She won an indoor PR, I think, of 420, but she did a huge negative split. Great way to run it. She probably could feel she can go way faster. She didn't chase her outdoor PR, which is like, what, 407 or something crazy? Her outdoor PR, for the record, her outdoor PR is 414. Her indoor PR is 419. Facts, facts, facts. So I, I thought that was fabulous. This week in, 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 at New Balance Indoor Nationals, she's not running an individual event. I, I want to give the coaches – a plus plus. Someone claimed that that people they've been reading the criticism on Let's Run. I don't know if that's true. I think this is smart. You don't have to go to the national meets. You don't have to run these big invitationals. You don't have to. You can be super talented. You don't have to do this. Now, if you wanted, it's hard. I always thought like if if my son or daughter was a my non-existent daughter was a phenom in ninth grade, would I want them to run nationals? Because they probably want to do it, but maybe it's not best for them. But if they're not going to if they're not going to develop anyways physically, maybe they want to be a national champion. You know, in ninth grade. Maybe it's nothing you do that causes them not to be good in 12th grade. So, interesting. Let's talk about the men's stuff or anything else in the women, John. We've got the 800 in the books. What else? Yeah, I haven't sorted through the entire women's fields yet because I haven't finished the preview for that. But, I mean, Wayne Kaladi, she's the NCAA cross champ. She's going to be running the 3K and the 5K. That'll be fun. Um, I think Whitney Orton of BYU, she's really had a breakout indoor campaign. And it would have been interesting to see her in the mile, actually, against Jones. I think she's the one person in the NCAA who could have challenged her. She's doing the 3K instead. She's the top seed by a fair amount at 849, only woman under 853. And she also will, assuming I'm assuming she's anchoring BYU's DMR, which is the top seed. She could have one of those big weekends, you know, what Danny Jones did in 2017, anchoring the DMR. And then, or and Jessica Hall did it last year, actually, as well. 
anchoring the DMR to a win and then winning the 3K. Uh, so this could be a coming out party for Whitney Orton. Those are sort of the women's storylines I'm following. Uh, John, don't use coming out party with a BYU athlete. Do we have our... Uh, where's, where's the symbol smash, the little sound effect we need to get there? Yeah, that might be a problem. Anyway, um, moving on to the men's side. I mean, pretty much every distance event. I'm looking at this and I'm like, there's really not a clear favorite in any of these events. It's just like a lot of really good guys and you're going to throw them all together. The one event I guess I feel the best about, I think Notre Dame will win the men's DMR. I just look at their team and they're only the number two seed because three teams ran faster than the previous collegiate record. But I just think Yard Nagus, this guy, he's a total stud. He's the NCAA 1500 champ. They won last year. With, they bring back the entire same team. And I think you look at who he's going up against. Oregon has a great stable of milers. They've got Cupertia, James West, and, and uh, Charlie Hunter have all run the equivalent of 355 or faster. Yet West and Hunter are both running the individual mile, which kind of makes me think they're going to put Tia, who's doing the 3K on the mile leg in the DMR. And I think Tia against Nagus, unless they can get Nagus a big... I guess the one thing is Oregon, if they get a big lead, you know, Kubatir, and he goes out and solos, he could win it that way. But yeah, I feel pretty good about Nagus in the 3K and the mile and the DMR, but who knows? He, he could certainly be beaten. I'm so excited to see Nagus in the individual event. That men's 3,000 could be spectacular. And the DMR is fascinating to me, John. I read your preview, and I was like, I don't know. I know Notre Dame won last year. I know that Nagus can run. So he can basically solo a 355 mile. He's so talented. Well, so can Kupatia. But look at, like, right, look at Oregon. 353 guys at 355 or better, they could have a substantial lead going into that anchor. They could, but these guys aren't running. I mean, you got to put one of them on the 800. I don't know how they're good 800 runners, but then their best event is the is the mile. I mean, it's just going to be interesting. I, if I'm Oregon, though, that's my strategy. Break it. Try to break it up immediately. Go really hard, and that might be harder at altitude when you've already got a mile prelim in your legs. That's sort of why oh, I, I like Notre Dame. But I, w- I wish they were. Well, Nagus will have a mile prelim in his leg. No, he won't. No, he's doing the 3K. He's going to be fresh. Yeah, Notre Dame's going to win anything. Damn it. Robert, Robert, also, Notre Dame's probably one of the schools Robert doesn't like because no, I like they have a now. young, young I, phenom coach. And I've changed. He was mad that Josh Methner is going to Notre Dame. and Now that Methner's come on the podcast, I'm actually rooting for Notre Dame. I, Nagus, for some reason, I was rooting for Last year, I know. Last year, I thought it was weak sauce to have a talent that steadily fresh in the DMR. It was smart coaching. It's Remember what I just said about Tui? Take little steps. Brilliant coaching by Notre Dame to not push pressure on Nagus. He could have done both last year. He didn't. It was brilliant coaching. I didn't like it as a fan. I thought it was weak sauce. But this year, he's going for the individual. But I'm just saying, no, and I, I love that guy. I think he's so good. And I don't want NAU to win the title. I think it's absurd that a team with like four people is going to win the track title. So um, I want Nagus to, to rock the 3K to push all those NAU guys down. I mean, how many people do you think normally are part of track champions? Usually they just get a lot of points from a small amount, a small amount of guys. Like, I think it would be awesome if NAU, just with a team of distance runners, goes out and wins. I think it's going to be really tough because, I mean, you look, a lot of their projected points, they're projected to go 1, 2, 3 in that 3K, but that's what with Jordy Beamish doubling back from the mile. 
and that's you know with Luis Grijalva and Tyler Day beating guys like Cooper Tier, James Yared Nagus, Joe Klecker. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's just that that's a loaded race. So for them to go one, two, three would be really, really tough. But I, I think it'd be awesome if some team with they just show up. They're like, we're a distance school. We're at altitude. We're just going to go out and crush it. That, that'd be a really cool accomplishment and very, redemption for blowing the NCAA meet in cross country. Blowing? That's kind of okay, well, John. they got second, but you look at their team. All right, here, blowing might be unfair because you know they still ran decently well and got second, but I think they were heavy favorites and they lost. And look at this 5,000. They have five guys entered in the 5,000 who ran 1340 or better this year. Now, granted, one of them, Tyler Day, who's the top seed at 1316, he didn't have cross eligibility, but they had three guys who ran 1340 or better and they didn't win NCAAs. That's, that's pretty incredible. They're like Wells and Johnson. They're rhythm runners. No, I mean, they, yeah. All respect to NAU. They won three. I mean, they've still won three of the last four titles. Finishing second isn't exactly embarrassing the NCAA cross, but it would be fascinating to see them do it in indoors. Um, I mean, they, they choked at NCAA cross country. That's the way to put it or underperform or whatever. They should have won that. It would be a bit ironic if they somehow could win NCAA indoors with all distance runners. It's never been done before. So, well, at least in my... Well, Oregon basically did it in 2015 with Cesarek and and Eric Jenkins, you know, and then Parker Stinson and my boy Will Gohegan, Dartmouth fifth year, taking his fifth year at Oregon. They went one, two, three in the 3K. Um, I didn't, didn't Wisconsin do it a few years ago? Maybe they had a thrower or something, but back in like 08. Usually I feel like there's one other guy, like there's at least someone else who makes the meet even. <laughs> So I guess you're right. Facts, John. Facts getting in the way of what's going on. I mean, LSU, they're like the top seed. I think, no, Northern Arizona is the top seed, but then I think after that, it's LSU. How many distance runners does LSU have? No one. I mean... Winning without distance runners happens a fair amount. Yeah, so why shouldn't winning without other events group ha- groups happen? I mean, Georgia, basically, when they were great women's teams, they were just a field-only program. That's true, but there's more field events. I mean, and when you count sprints, there's just more distance. There's just not that many indoors. There's more because you you've got DMRs, that sort of stuff. I mean, you want NAU to throw a couple token scholarships towards events that they don't really care about when you know they're based at seven thousand fleet feet in one of the best training environments in the United States. I mean, to me, the only logical thing is to put all your scholarships in distance because that's where your advantage is. Agreed. I mean, their depth is amazing. I mean, they've had guys like Tyler Day, but just sort of now, like, the second tier. Their second tier now is like, wait, they could be number three to NCAAs. It's just sort of crazy. And whereas usually I feel like the very top people, they're like a class above. Like, you guys are talking about Nagusi or something. Like, he's established. You expect them to do well at this meet. But the people who haven't done it, it's always a question mark. Um, I mean, like going back to Whitney Orton, like she, I think I was trying to figure this out. I think her best finish ever at NCA is the seventh place. I mean, she's having a sick year. If Danny Jones wasn't there, she'd have the number one time in the mile, the 3K. She's on 849. I mean, these are good times. And she's run 1520 something for 5K as well. Like, this is someone who's never won, excuse me, never even. I guess seventh scores, right? So she scored at NCAs, but like it's very unusual. I feel like for someone to come out this late in their career as a possible NCA star, would you guys agree with that one? 
Yeah, to to make this sort of leap uh, at this point in her career is unusual. Yeah, she was she was eighth in the fifteen hundred last spring, and then seventh in cross. Um, so it's clearly made a big big leap. But she's got a lot of good people to train with. She's got a good coach and Diljeet Taylor. I mean, they got some good things going in Provo. I mean, I feel like sometimes people come out of the way and they win an NCAA title. You know, I go, where have they been? But I think it's it's rare for someone to come in just like dominating so many events. She hasn't won any. She hasn't won anything yet. Well then. I know, but sort of, if she wins, it won't be a shock. Her whole season's been A-class, where sometimes, I don't know, someone might sneak an NCAA title, and you're like, oh, where, where was that person? But, like, yeah. this one coming in, if she doesn't want to walk away with one, I think it'd be a little bit of a disappointment. I'm going to go rapid fire here on a couple events. Weldon, you haven't read the previews yet, but Robert, you have, so you probably have an opinion. Men's 800, who do you like? Isaiah Jewett, Devin Dixon, and someone else? I think Devin Dixon. Yeah, I think so too. He's a Texas A&M star. You know, he he ran 145. He won SEC outdoors as a freshman. He's now a senior. Still hasn't won NCAA's, but he was second last year to Bryce Hopple. Ran 144 outdoors. He had a little bit of a slow start to the indoor season, but he looked good at SECs. He's coming on. Then Isaiah Jewett. He was fifth at USA's last year outdoors, and he's run 147 low this year. He's the NCAA leader. So. I think that's going to be a pretty good, sh- int- pretty good showdown. I'll be interested. Isaiah Jewett likes to wear sunglasses when he races outdoors. I don't know if he wears them indoors or not. I'm always kind of curious to see if the people who always race in sunglasses also do it indoors. So have to inquire about that. Indoors? John, come on. When do you see guys wearing sunglasses indoors? I'm sure Jeremy Warren did it, right? I, there's definitely guys who wear sunglasses indoors in races. I'm sh- I need to look, at the, look this up, but... Yeah, I, I just found, I googled Jeremy Warren at indoors, and I see a screen cap of him running in Albuquerque, and he's got his sunglasses on. So if, if it's part of your brand, you do it indoors or outdoors. That's just the way it goes. So now NCAA athletes who've never won an NCAA title have their own brand? I mean, Jeremy Warner was at a different class, you know. How do you, how do you get a sponsorship? You build a brand, you know? If your brand is sunglasses, this is how I know the guy. I don't know, maybe he won't. But in the 800, we have the Drew Wendell example. Ever since he put those glasses on his head in the Diamond League and forgot to take them off. <laughs> this is like your thing. You just say, what was it? it was like Shanghai. He wore the sunglasses and you immediately, you're like, that's the turning point in his career. He was never the same. You can, you can track this. It, it, it's just, it's super reliable. So I think what Drew needs to do to get rid of the hex is wear them again on the race and then that'll complete the circle. So Drew, if you're listening... I mean, the guy is a super talent. That's what he's got to do. All right. Mile, Robert, any picks here? We got Charlie Hunter, Oregon, 355, top seed. Ollie Hoare, NCAA champ in 2018 in the 1500. Carlos Villarreal, the Pan American Games champion. Jordy Beamish, reigning champion. And then Kieran Tuntevate, the Ivy League, Ivy League from Harvard, 357. Well, there's and there's ten other guys at three fifty seven. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good guys. We didn't mention James West, who's run three thirty six. If you want year. your Budweiser long shot pick, they used to have a Budweiser long shot on ESPN horse racing. Tontavet would be it. Tontavet is really, really good. I was like, what has he done in season past? He's done. I don't think he's ever made an in season track, or he's never scored. So he looked incredible when I broadcast the meet. But I don't. I'm kind of shocked. I don't think of him really as a miler. Um, I, I don't know who to take in that mile. Like, that's a tough one, and. I don't know. Like none of these guys have. I mean, Hoare's won before, but none of these Oregon guys have been big players before. But Ben Thomas is such a good coach that fascinates me. I, I don't know who to pick. Hey, you knocked my boy from my from my alma mater. 
Oh, Prince, I didn't re- Sam Ellis of Princeton, number nine seed at 357.60. It's crazy the Ivy League has two 357 milers at the same time. That's pretty nuts. How about Matthew Shadler, the freshman from Indiana? How about him? Well, 358, I know he looks like the worst seed at 358.45, but he was pretty close to whore at, at Big big Tens. I mean, I think it was it was um very close race. Let's look that up. I mean, this could be the coming out party from Oregon because Ben Thomas, he did it at Virginia Tech. He's clearly a tremendous middle distance coach. So some of these Oregon guys, you know, really haven't done it at the NCAA level. But usually, it, and if you haven't done it at the NCAA level, I'm kind of suspicious of fast times indoors. I'm like, okay, I'd rather go with a 356 guy who's done something NCAAs than a 355 guy. I mean, a time trial is a time trial. But when Ben Thomas is coaching all these guys, I think it changed the calculus a bit. An Ivy League guy is not winning the mile. Come on, guys. Can we just get Yeah, I agree with you. Thank you very much. It, like, what are you guys kidding yourself? It's Budweiser long shot. It's not his... Well, you guys are praising them both. Who won at the hips? They were in different events. Talked about one of the mile. Ellis won the thousand. Anyways, well, yeah, they're not... mad that Yale doesn't have an entry. Ellis isn't winning the mile. I mean... I I'm haven't checked. Do we have an not. entry? No, you don't. Check. <laughs> Dude... Do we need to check? All right, I just checked. We're focusing on the outdoors. We're focusing on outdoors. Yell, dude. No, you think there's going to be an outdoor season? Yeah. The- Coronavirus could scupper that, Weldon. No, I think it's already been canceled. Like, Princeton and Cornell and Harvard aren't coming back after spring break, so I think their seasons are done. So this is actually going to be interesting, is do these guys all get an extra year of eligibility? I assume the NCAA will grant everybody an extra year of eligibility. No, Robert, lacrosse is going on. They're not canceling sports. They're canceling everything else. Oh, I don't know about just that. Just wait a couple days, Weldon. This whole thing reminds me what a joke college is. I mean, some of these schools get two-week spring break. We got that Yale. That was great. I mean, for college students, it was great. Then they come back, and you're pretty much – it's almost April 1st, or maybe it is. And then you have, what, like three or four weeks of classes and exams, and that's it? Like, year's over? There's just not much time after spring break. I mean, by first week of May, we were done at Yale. So I see how now with these schools, it's like, oh, we have three weeks of classes and just cancel, give exams remotely. Like it's just, in some ways, it's uh, uh, easier. But I think they haven't canceled all the sports seasons. So I get it. These administrators are great at covering their asses. It's very easy to be super cautious. Are they going to rebate people for the dorm fees they pay? Are you going to, or do you still have to lose the money you paid for food and stuff? Because you're not using those services. I agree with you on that. Are they still going to pay the the dorm workers? I also feel like you're getting cut rate tuition. I, I didn't go to, if I'm a Harvard parent, I'm not paying to have my kids taught some online course. Of course you are. You're not paying for the courses anyways. You're paying for that damn degree. Well, when I went to Princeton, we only had four classes a semester. We only had three classes a week. We only had 12 classes a year. We only had like 24 hours. I did the math. You're hardly in class at all. Like you could have done it in like three weeks if you really wanted to. Anyways. Well, all right, all right. You, are you hiding? Wait, wait, wait. No. This is Rojo's hot take of the week. He could have graduated from Princeton in three weeks if he wanted to, including his 85 page senior thesis or whatever you guys have to write. I mean, 
Some ludicrous comment. None of these people who see my typos are going to believe I didn't graduate from Princeton anyways. I'm shocked. Weldon's talking about how soft these schools are nowadays. Come on. It was really hard. Weldon sucked in college because he was always studying all the time. I'm shocked that Weldon's not defending his Yale Bulldogs, John. You said, do we even need to look if Yale has anyone at the meet? Yale this year had three milers under 405, John, so... And, Four or and, five doesn't get you that far in the NCAA anymore. Though that's, you know, no no disrespect, that's still impressive. In honor of my father and my brother, I got you, Yale. John, they had a guy that won the second heat at BU, and the first and third heats are all sub four. So, hey. Yale, 2020 B Heat, BU champions. There you go. Dartmouth, not even entered in BU. No comment. All right. What do we care oh, about? It? Plus, no, there's going to be some other interesting story. I really think we got to think big storylines. I think in the women's side, what can how big of a star is Janie Jones going to be? Nia Aikens wins her first NCAA title. Whitney Orton wins her first NCAA title. For the men's side, the big storylines are these things are loaded. How how studly is Jared Nagus? I think this is going to be the last time we're going to see him at the NCAA championships. He's that good. I think he's going to be a breakout. I think these two companies are going to be clamoring for this guy. And I think, assuming there's an outdoor track season, there may not be. But if there was, he could, that could be a godsend for Notre Dame if it's canceled because I think he, he would dominate the outdoor season and the shoe companies are going to line up for the Olympic trials to pay this guy. So how big of a star is he? Does Oregon's Ben Thomas arrive? People are going to say Andy who. Will they be saying Andy who after the end of this meet? That's huge to me. Um, so a lot of storylines. White Lightning's debut. I know I guess he doesn't like the name. Uh, the kid from Georgia, John, what's his name? Matthew Bowling. Let's call him Matthew or Matt. How about that? Yeah, Matt Bowling, his, his first NCAs, he hasn't been – he was second in the SECs in the 200, just running the 200. He's certainly not Usain Bolt, guys. All this talk about how he was as fast as Bolt and comparisons to Bolt, he's only .3 away. All these idiots last year, they don't know what they're talking about. If you haven't seen the Usain Bolt's 10 questions from Track and Field News, go to the week that was. There's a link to it. Reading that this week was amazing to me. It's just like – it was an article from 2003, and Track and Field News back then was just talking about how talented Usain Bolt was. And it also reminded me what journalism was back then. There weren't a million links. So they had a high school editor, and they interviewed him. He's like, in my 30 years, I've never seen someone this talented. But check out this quote from 2003. They interviewed Lance Brawman, who ended up being, what, Tyson Gay's coach? He's Noah Lyle's coach now, too. He's obviously the most talented 16-year-old I've ever seen. And they couldn't believe that he could have such power for being 6'5". He's very powerful on the ground for a guy that size. You usually see that kind of power in a guy that's 5'10 to 6 feet tall. But he gets his knees up well. He handles him extremely well. Good foot placement. He does a lot of things right that are hard to coach. So there you go. Usain Bolt, superstar 2013. Well, hold on. One second here. This interview you said is from 2003, right? Yes. Do you guys realize what he did in 2002 when he was 15 years old? Here in 20.61 to win World Juniors. So, uh, yes, they were right. He obviously turned out to be a huge talent, but I don't think it's a huge stress to call a stretch to call someone who won World Juniors. This is like 19-year-olds. He's f- facing college freshmen. He was 15. He ran 20.61. Like, yeah, obviously he's a massive, massive talent. He'd already done this. If you had, if you had met someone before that meet who was calling him out, it's like, this guy is going to be the best sprinter who ever lived. All right, that's really impressive. It's not. It's still 
Yes, they called it, but it's not. I don't think it's quite as impressive. It was a little bit easier to be a team. I think it's interesting just to read this article. It was so much easier to be a team phenom. Yes, he did that, but for the next year, he didn't have to see himself on Yahoo and every blog and Dystat. I guess Dystat existed back then, but he wasn't a constant presence of people hyping this guy. People weren't comparing him to the next. They weren't saying he was the next Usain Bolt because there wasn't a Usain Bolt yet. So we've talked a long time. I don't know how long this podcast has gone on. We've had some dropouts, so it doesn't. I don't have my clock that tells me I've been on for an hour and a half or whatever. But guys, anything else to say? Or should I talk about how I had my highlight of my life at the children's park this week? Yeah, get finished. let's finish with Rojo patting himself on the back again and getting mobbed by people. So go ahead. Well, I was at the park, and my son was playing with another two-year-old, and you know, I like to make small talk with the parents. There was two moms there, and they both had multiple kids. And I, I like to say, like, how in the world do you take care of more than one child at a time? It's very hard to do one. Like, how do you do two or, two or three? And normally, I ask this question fairly often. Normally, they say, oh, you know, going from zero to one is much harder than one to two. But this woman was like, I loved it. She's like, oh, it's really hard, at least at first. But the second child was only three months old. So I think she meant during the first three weeks, it's really hard. Because the baby's so kind of needy. But anyways, we were doing the small talk, and she's like, oh, is your son going to go to kindergarten and stuff? And I was like, oh, I mean, preschool. I was like, oh, starting soon. She said she was going to start. So I just kind of wanted to know what she did for childcare now. So I said, oh, what do you all do now? Like, do you work? And she said, I work, you know, she's got most of the time, like 30 hours a week or something like that. And she's like, what do you do? I said, I have a website. Let's run.com. And she goes, let's run.com? And I was like, oh, God, which way is this going? And folks, this is proof that Twitter is not the real world. There's a small segment of people who are very unhappy, females with Let's Run on Twitter. But she's like, oh, my God, this is my celebrity signing. I can't wait to tell everyone that I met the guy that founded Let's Run.com. And I was like, whoa. She's like, oh, we were on that site all the time in college. My friend's still on the site all the time, all the time. She's like, I've got friends in New York. She just moved down here from New York. And one of them is very good friends with Malcolm Gladwell. I keep bumping into Malcolm Gladwell at weddings. Every time I bump into him, all he wants to do is talk about your website. So this was high praise. High praise. This sounds like a woman who used to go to Let's Run and her friends still go, yet she herself doesn't go anymore. She doesn't sound like that big of a fan, Robert. John, it was great. She's a former Big Ten runner. By the way, her friend may, her friend in the West Coast, and I think in San Fran, may be listening to the podcast. If you listen to the podcast, tell your friend to email me because I want our friends to hang out. It's always awkward getting like people's numbers because you don't want them to think that like you're hitting on them, you know. Or, so, anyways, um, you want to set up play dates, but it's weird. Like as a dude, like uh, can I get your number? So I told her to email me. I, I, of course, I never checked my emails. Maybe she has. But John, John's always trying to ruin my thing. Yes, she's a big fan. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that big a fan. My goal in life is when I'm on the phone with a customer service agent, one of these 1-800 numbers like Geico or something, like, what's your email address, sir? Robert at letsrun.com. I keep waiting for the agent, someone to recognize it. No one's ever recognized it. So I was just thrilled to be recognized in person and to, to be praised. This woman had very similar views of me on Mary Kane, the Olympic trials process, how easy it is for the women to qualify. I was I was told I was told you were mobbed. I didn't hear anything about being mobbed. I think you may have oversold that bit. I'm being a little too wet blankety right now, Robert. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm glad you got your moment in the sun. Hopefully, there are more to come. That reminds me, rate and review on 
your favorite podcast app. Here's one. Came in during the Olympic marathon trials. Sexy, brutal, and honest. The only place to go for running fans. So keep them up. Five-star ratings. Tip jar as well. 100% of the tips going to LRC's Jonathan Gold. We actually discovered this week how to like, email the people who have tipped. I've been meaning to do that. Johnny, you may have done it. Thank you for everyone for doing the tips. Thank Huge thank you, everyone, for uh, anyone who's tipped. You can give a one-off tip or a monthly subscription. So thanks to all the fans and supporters out there. Yeah, we love our listeners. And to the fan that called me in the office this week, he supports the podcast and he supports the Let's Run.com shoe site, Let's Run.com slash shoes. He really likes it. He says he tries to buy local to support the local store, but he decided to support his local podcast. So thank you very much. Back to Corona. With Corona going on, you do not want to go to the local shoe store. This is the for sure. All the people supporting the local shoe store, I think now you got to sequester down. Go to the letsrun.com slash shoes and buy your shoes from there. Just try it out. Test it out. <clears throat> Obviously, I mean, this really, I don't know which way this is going to go for a little Let's Run with no running events to cover, but everyone's just surfing Let's Run all day. This could be like a bonanza in traffic. So. Uh, could be. We, we just got another email right before the, during the podcast, the Prague Marathon has now been postponed. That was supposed to be on March 28th, and that's been pushed back. So, Oh, sorry. No, no, no. It's the Prague Half Marathon. Uh, I apologize, but that one has been postponed as well. So again, not, not trending the right way for Boston and London. But those are two weeks away. I, want, I don't want any cancellation until two weeks out. People have already bought their tickets. You're not getting the money back anyway in those. Some of the airlines, thank you, JetBlue. I called to cancel a ticket, actually, this weekend for something. They waived some of the cancellation fee because my wife is pregnant. Thank you, JetBlue. Wait, so you're scared to fly? Well, because of coronavirus? I canceled the trip this weekend because of coronavirus. Wow, this is opening us up to a lawsuit from Jonathan Gold. No, it's not. My wife's company had already canceled all travel. She already canceled the work trip and, and letting her work from home So because she's pregnant. So on top of that, if we then traveled, it's sort of like in their face. Okay, guys, two parting thoughts. One, with all those people running, beat Bowerman track athletes running so fast at BU, it's a good thing World Indoors was canceled this year. How embarrassing would it have been? They all ran so fast, and then they wouldn't have been at World Indoors like a week later. That would have been embarrassing well the women would have Houlihan and Schweizer and they would have made the team oh they were planning on going Quigley yeah okay. my last parting thought is it's been a great week for me mobbed at the park callers <laughs> mobbed yes autograph an, an article an art the people at Google handpicked my article it was so well written John they said this is brilliant writing it wasn't some computer it was probably a person there saying Robert Johnson needs to have 600,000 people read this Sergey Brin himself found the article and demanded it be pushed to the front of the Google algorithm there's one depressing thing it's not depressing it's uplifting and depressing at the same time we had this quote of the day John Godina ran a half marathon he's the Olympic was he Olympic shot put silver medalist silver medalist three time world champion he ran a half marathon and he loves running now. We had the quote of the day. He's like, it's so invigorating and whatever. It's great. And like, I can see how people get addicted to it. He's almost my age. I think he might be my age. Anyone know exactly how old? John, how old is he? 47. Just looked it up. So he's one year older than I am. He ran a half marathon. This is a big dude. Guess what he ran his first time? And the question is, could he beat me in a half marathon? I don't want to say, well, yes, I'll be honest. Could he beat me in a half marathon? But that'll be exposing me as a fraud to all the listeners that have but poor my shape in man. So you're depressed, so that means he actually ran pretty well. God, what does that mean, though? 158. Yeah, let's say we're just under two hours. 
Uh, you guys are pretty good. 202. Uh, so uh, over under, I was like, my God, could I not break two? I've been paying to go to running. All right, Jim Ratcliffe, Ineo CEO. We have our next project. <laughs> if you were inspired by breaking two and the, the 159 challenge, Robert Johnson, we need to get you the Alpha Flies. We need to fly you to Vienna. We need a team of personal pacemakers. Can he break two hours for the 13.1 mile distance? It's nine minute pace, I think. It's like 909 pace. My goal is to break a three hour marathon by the end of the year. Boom. Wait, three hour marathon? That's not happening. Robert, you, you will never be able to do that again. That ship oh, has sailed. Okay, how much do you want to bet I can do it again? I can do it. I can do it by the end of 2021. Definitely. Sub three in the marathon. Yes, I'll bet you three hundred dollars right now. Oh, how much? That is that's three hundred dollars. That's very tempting. I, 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 I got a train. I think that's to, worth it to wait, me to see Robert. Scary. Scary. Wait, I had the train. John, I should probably back the money just to make him do it. Robert, you do realize I ran two fifty eight like five years ago. Well, I got the vapor flies. Oh no, I mean, vapor flies. No, 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 no. Vapor flies not allowed. No, I'll let him. I'll let him wear vapor flies. No, you know what? You're on, Robert. Three hundred dollar bet. I'll make that. Wow. By the end of 2021, you have to run sub three hours in the marathon and I'll pay you $300. But I have to train full time for it. It's a lot of training. That's that's why I'm betting, making the bet. <laughs> My video went out. Can I see a shake? Is this bet being accepted? I'm just taking a rain check. I want to think about it for a week. No, no, I, no, I got to talk to Chris Beer. <laughs> this is what happens. You guys throw out ludicrous bets. Weldon, like Sheffield, when, no, what was it? Shrewsbury United would beat Liverpool. You don't do the research or realize how difficult these things are. And then you just. But I paid up my bet and I accepted it, John. It's very different. No, I know, but you just. You immediately, you're like, I immediately regret this decision. And Robert is like, three hours in the marathon, that's easy. And then when someone, when he realizes it's a stupid bet and I actually take him up on it and he's going to lose $300, he's like, nah, be easier not to lose $300 and sit on my ass for two years rather than do something really hard and make 300 bucks. Wait, you have to actually train, right? You have to run like 70 miles a week. Because I like to run like, I'm running about six, seven miles a week, but I feel pretty good. Six or seven miles a week. You have to run 26 miles consecutively on one day. Oh, and if they're going to have a second kid, he can't even cope now with one kid. Oh, John, oh this is Wait, the best about, bet you've ever taken. I forgot about the second kid. Second kid's coming next year. No, I need to postpone the bet. Wow. Wow. Robert Welch is on his bet within 10 seconds of offering it. Maybe I'll do it on my 50th birthday. I'm going to do it before I die. Let's hope. No, you're not. John. Wow. Hanging in this weekend. I think for the interviews, you know, what's it called? What's the content called? Social spacing or what's the social distancing? Yeah, social distancing, yeah. I mean, you don't want to stand too close to someone when you're interviewing them. Oh, I know. There better be Purell at this meet, I mean. Yeah, anything you touch, don't touch your face. It's just having, being a guy who's now had the flu twice in four years, it's irresponsible if you don't get a flu shot. It really is. The flu every year so far has been more deadly than coronavirus, and a lot of people take it like a joke and act like the flu vaccine's going to get us sick. I think I might have been one of them now that I've had the flu again. It's just idiotic. But if we took a lot of these precautions every year, the flu's, when, the rate of spread of flu would be so much less. And same thing with corona. Like, preventing these diseases is maybe not easy, but like it can really be diminished. So there we have it. Weldon Johnson wants us to cancel all marathons and all indoor sporting events for the rest of humanity to prevent the twenty to 30,000 deaths annually in the U.S. of flu. I do think we need to have automatic doors and automatic hand washers in every every public place. 
All right, we're spiraling out of control here. We'll uh, be back next week with a recap of all the NCAA action. Hopefully, I make it out of Albuquerque alive. But until then, farewell. P.S. This is bonus coverage for those of you that have kept listening. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. I wanted to share with you a conspiracy theory that I heard from my friend and I forgot to mention on the podcast. I think it's brilliant. I want you to say you heard it here first on the Let's Run podcast. Look, they say people, they desperately want to get through the NCAA basketball, March Madness. It's a huge moneymaker. They're going to try to get through that, and then that's it. After that, all spring sports will be canceled. Look, the spring sports don't bring in any money. They're all money losers, baseball, everything else. Track, blah, blah, blah. Gone. I mean, you're already sort of seeing the writing on the wall with Ivy League schools telling people not to come back after spring break. If the students don't come back after spring break, you think they're going to give an exception to the track team? That doesn't make any sense. So, no more sports after March Madness. You heard it here first on LetsRun.com. Oh, also, the same person also told me his father went to his annual physical yesterday, and his doctor said, look, in two weeks, here's my prediction. In two weeks, most people will be sent home for a one-month quarantine. So there you heard it first. No spring sports and a potential one-month quarantine.